Limitless Love for June 5th. Articles by Kenneth and Gloria Copeland. KCM.org. Thank you so much for coming on here. If no one's told you they love you, I love you. High five. Give you a hug. We are loved by our Father and we love each other. 1 John 1 through 5. Amen. Reading for today for June 5th is John 15, 17. Actually, it's 18, 5 through 9. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for you created us in your image, Lord God, to do your works, Lord, to have fun, to enjoy earth, Lord, and to relax and to laugh more, Lord. Everything starts with a fate laugh, laughing with faith. Laughing with joy, laughing that all things are well. Thank you, Father God, that you love us so much, Lord, and you communicate to us in one way or another, Lord, and you tell us how much you love us. We thank you for that love. We thank you for the excitement. Thank you for the care. And Lord, thank you for giving us your talents, your skills, your godly wisdom. Enable us to prosper, to move forward, and to help others. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we declare it so. We act so. Everything we need, we act. We force ourselves to be fortunate, and we become very fortunate. We force ourselves to act fortunate, and we become fortunate. Thank you, Father God, for providing all things for us, Lord. Amen. Okay, now we'll get into our reading for June 5th. Our greatest protection from John 15. I keep going to John 15. What did I say? 15, 7, 7 and 9. Well, let's go ahead and go take a look at it. See what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us. John 15, chapter 15, verses 7 through 9, I believe. This is what John 15, 7 says. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, that is, if we are vitally united and my message lives in your heart, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified and honored by this. When you bear much fruit and prove yourself to be my true disciples, I have loved you just as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love and do not doubt my love for you. Amen. Again, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, my Father is glorified and honored by this. When you bear much fruit and prove yourself to be my disciples, I have loved you just as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. And you know what that love is. That love is just shining with his glory, shining with his joy, shining with his care, folks. Shining with his care. When we have self-care and we out, go out there and shine and be fully alive and well-balanced, it is to my Father's glory that he has touched our lives. And we continue in the words of God. I believe the Lord is telling us, well done, good and faithful servants. Well done, for we're pushing to stay in his word 
as I push to read and you push to listen. And the Father pushes back to us, Lord. Expect to be favored. Expect to be loved. Act fortunate. I am fortunate. I am loved by my Father. I am very fortunate. We are very fortunate. We are loved by our Father in heaven. We are very fortunate. So say in the mirror, I force myself to be fortunate, to act fortunate, and I will become fortunate. The love and the acceptance of God's love is the first step to acting fortunate, to being fortunate. Thank you, Heavenly Father God, for your word. We declare it so as in our lives, as true in our lives. And Lord, we memorize those scriptures. Hallelujah. As your words are in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, Lord God, we are to your true disciples. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now, for the third time, let's go ahead and try again. June 5th, our greatest protection. Scripture reading is John 18, 5 through 9. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am he, and Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon as then, as they had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell on the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek you? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke. Of them which thou gavest me, I have lost none. John 18, 5-9. Initially, when I read some of these scriptural descriptions of love, I wasn't especially excited about acting on them. When I thought about turning the other cheek, for instance, or taking no account for a suffered wrong, I wanted to say, Lord, do you know what people will do to me if I act like that? They'll make a rug out of me. They'll run right over me. I don't understand that acting in love puts the power of God to work in my behalf. I didn't realize that if I made the decision to love, supernatural deliverance would operate for me in the unseen realm. Whoa. When Jesus told us to turn the other cheek, he wasn't saying we should invite people to slug us. He was encouraging us to move out into the realm of love where our protection never fails. One day as I meditated on that truth, he said to me, If you walk in this long enough, when you turn the other cheek, people won't be able to stop it. The power of God will hold them back. If you want to scripturally evidence of this, study what happened when the Roman soldiers came to seize Jesus before the crucifixion. Even of that difficult and painful time, Jesus had love in his mind. He concerned himself with the safety of disciples. As a result, that whole band of rough, tough Roman soldiers was unable to apprehend this one gen gentle, unarmed man. All Jesus had to do was say, I am he, and they all fell 
flat on the ground. That wasn't the first time such a thing had happened in Jesus' life. There was a time in Nazareth when a mob tried to throw him off a cliff. But Luke 4.30 says he just passed through them and went his way. The fact is, no one could do anything to harm Jesus. He had to lay his life down. He had to purposely receive death to fulfill the plan of God because the delivering power of love that constantly surrounds him made it possible for him to be killed any other way. Made it impossible for him to be killed any other way. Love will work for us the same way it will work in it like he did. Again, love will work for us the same way if we walk in it like he did. Excuse me. It is a spiritual principle when we put love to work on our behalf. The devil has no defense against it. He can't come up with any weapon that will bring us down. The power of love is our greatest protection. Amen and amen. What a strange condition the Holy Spirit has me read John fifteen seven through 9 because it set us up for this teaching. You notice that they use the word act. act. So if you act like you're very fortunate by the Father, that you're receiving his love, his care, his wisdom, his enthusiasm, then we will receive it and it will be demonstrated to the whole world that the glory of God shines through us, through his love, through our peace, through our demeanor. Amen. And now let's move on to June 6th. Don't drop your defense. This one's First John 5.18. We know that... Whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and the wicked one touching him not. 1 John 5.18 Again, the scripture is, We know that whoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and the, that wicked one toucheth him not. 1 John 5.18 the more I study love and see how it worked in the life of Jesus and the life of people like the Apostle John, the more convinced I am that the force of love creates an impenetrable barrier against evil. When we walk in love, it creates a supernatural defense that keeps the devil from doing us any permanent damage or real harm. One of the best descriptions of that divine defense system apart from the insight given in the Bible itself, can be found in the writings of John G. Lake. He was a powerful minister who had a vision from the Lord many years ago that helped him grasp the protective power of love. In the vision, he saw millions of demons organized as a modern army. They would charge with great ferocity toward a group of believers. Recounting the vision, he wrote, After a while... I observed there operated a restraining influence that constituted a barrier through which they could not force themselves. With all the ingenuity of humans at war, the multitude of demons seemed to endeavor to break the barrier or go further, but were utterly restrained. In amazement, I said to the angel, What does it mean? He said to me, 
Such is the care of God for those that strive in unselfishness for his best. <laughs> there is a wonderful picture of the power of love and it is absolutely scriptural. The Bible says when we don't sin, when we keep ourselves in the love of God, the wicked one can't touch us. That doesn't mean we can't ever miss it or make a mistake. Certainly we're going to make mistakes sometimes. But love covers that. When we do sin and knowingly step out of love, we can get ourselves right back in by quickly repenting and receiving cleansing from all unrighteousness, from all actions of wrongdoing. If we'll do that, we can walk in love's protection every moment of every day. If we don't, we won't. That's a sobering statement, but it's true. When we get out of the love and stay there, we remove our defense. We lower our barriers of protection and become vulnerable to the enemy's assaults. That's how the devil has gotten access to the lives of so many Christians. They have dropped their defense and he is able to touch them because they fail to walk in love. Don't ever let that happen to you. Don't ever let a disagreement of someone's treatment of you draw you out of love and into strife. Keep yourself in the love of God and stay out of danger. Keep love's impenetrable barrier in place over your life. Amen. June 7th, James 1, 19-20. For love's sake, slow down. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. For love's sake, slow down. Most of us have developed the habit of doing exactly the opposite of what these verses tell us to do. We train ourselves to practice to be slow to hear, quick to speak, and quick to get angry. But to successfully live a life of love, we have to turn that around. We must learn to stop and really listen to people, especially when they're talking to us about a difficult subject or telling us something we don't want to hear. Our natural human tendency is to react and start shooting off our mouth before we've gotten the whole story. We jump up and make a judgment before hearing people out and giving some thought to what they're saying. As a result, we end up saying hurtful things we later regret. The Bible compares words to arrows. When we get in a hurry and start shooting them thoughtlessly in every direction, we often end up wounding people around us. When we're finished, they hurt, and we're saying, Oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't aiming at you. I was just shooting off my mouth. Our apology may be nice, but it doesn't undo the damage. What's more, Proverbs 18.13 says, A man who answers a matter before he hears and understands it, it is folly and shame to him. So it is not only loving but wise and will solve future embarrassment if we just take time before we give our opinion about things. When something rubs us the wrong way, the best thing is for us is to bite our lips for a while and give God time to talk to us. We need to give God time to work on our souls and make adjustments in our thinking until it lines up with us. 
That's not easy to do, first of all, because it's foreign to the nature of our flesh. Our flesh just doesn't like to be restrained. Secondly, the devil will usually be there trying to pressure and rush us. You better do something about this now, he'll say. Don't wait another minute. Just give them a piece of your mind. He wants to keep us from giving God time to deal with us. He wants to push us out of love and into sin. When you sense the devil pressuring you like that, rebel against him. Be stubbornly determined not to rush into reacting. Instead, just calm down and say to yourself, I'm not going to get upset about this thing. I'll wait and listen a while. I'm not going to respond until I get love's perspective on it. If you'll do that, you'll save yourself tremendous trouble and serious embarrassment. And you'll develop some wise habits that will help you keep your love life in line. Amen. June 8, break the cycle of doubt. We walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, New American Standard. Many people find out about God's love for them and then let the revelation of it slip away. They lose their grip on it because of what they feel and what they see. On Sundays, they're shouting and singing about God, how much he loves them, and will take care of their every need. But just on Monday, when the bill collectors call, they're crying and wringing their hands, saying, I just don't know what is going to happen to me. If you find yourself caught in that cycle of believing God's love for you, one day, and doubting it the next, there's something you can do to help break the cycle once and for all. I've done it many times myself when I needed to make significant changes in my life. Get the elements of communion, take the time to sit down at the table with them, and go through the scriptures that deal with the problem you're facing. Write down all the verses, for example, that particularly speak to you about God's love. Then go before the Lord and settle that truth once and for all in your heart. Pray about it. Say, Father, you told me through your word that you love me. You promised that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. You've given me your word that if I just put, my, put you first place in my life, everything else I need will be added to me. Today I am making that commitment of believe and trust in your love for me. From now on, I will walk by faith and not by sight. From here on out, I will refuse to doubt your love. No matter what I feel or see, I will continue to believe, speak, and act as if you love me. Protect and provide for me in every area of my life. In Jesus' name. Then take communion over that commitment. Mark your thinking with the communion elements that represent the covenant of love God has with you. Let them remind you that his love for you is so great that he sent Jesus to be the sacrifice for you. Let the signs of his body and his blood be an unforgettable symbol to you that God's love for you has been forever established in the broken body and shed blood of Jesus. The next time you run into some circumstance that makes it look like God doesn't love you or that he isn't taking care of you, instead of just flying apart and spouting unbelief in every direction, 
Remember that commitment you made before the Lord. Think about those communion elements and how the very body and blood of Jesus testifies of God's love for you. When you do, fate will rise up within you, and instead of letting the revelation of God's love slip away, you'll stand steadfast in it. Instead of rejoicing in God's love on Sunday and swinging, wringing your hands on Monday, you'll be shouting and singing every day of the week. Amen. The word of the Lord. Amen. Let's take a minute to uh, acknowledge that. Let's take a minute to see Jesus on the cross, that he died for us. He's actually, see Jesus on the cross, see him bleeding, see blood coming out of his forehead, out of his side, and just see him, imagine him there. And, and that blood signifies his love for us. That sacrifice on the cross gave us life. That was love from God for us. So we exchange our hurts. We exchange our penniless lives. We exchange whatever we have. And we say yes. And we are, now we are very fortunate. We say yes, Lord. Yes, have your way. We believe and thank you that your son died on the cross because of your great love for us. Lord, now we take it in. We accept it and we believe it and we take that sacrificial love on the cross. We take it in, Lord, and we become your children. We become very fortunate, Lord, and we declare it so. Now we act fortunate, Lord. We act fortunate as we're receiving your love that we are very fortunate. Spirit, soul, and body, you cleanse us. You're taking care of us. You love us. And we take communion, we take the we take the elements, Lord, that you provided for us. We stay in tune, stay in contact with you. We praise you and we thank you for these things, these elements in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm gonna pause right here and go get some elements. Please do the same and let's take communion. Thank you so much for getting your elements. Let's go ahead and take the bread and say, this is the body that was broken for us, the body of Jesus Christ. This bread signifies the love that God has sent for us and the care. Let us partake of the fortune that is in Jesus' body, the fortune of Jesus Christ. Amen. We are very fortunate, family. We're very fortunate. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. We remember you, Jesus. We thank you for that love. We thank you for shedding your blood. Let's take the cup. And the cup signifies the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. The juice. I have juice. We thank you, Father, for this blood. Your son. It signifies the love of your Son, Jesus Christ. And it cleanses us from all sickness and disease and restore us to good standing with the Father God. We are cleansed. And Lord, we ask you to forgive us of any sins. Forgive us of any wrong that we have done, Lord. Anything, Lord God, that we have thought. Lord, we just take a deep breath and we say, forgive us, Lord. 
I repent of anything that I have made done wrong, Lord, that would be unpleasant, Lord. And Lord, I just thank and I praise you for your great love. Thank you for fixing us up with the blood of Jesus Christ, your son. And let's go ahead and partake of the blood of the lamb. Amen and amen. Thank you, Father. We're cleansed by the blood. And we are made whole. Amen. From now on, we declare we are very fortunate. We have received the blood of Christ. We received the body of Christ. We have received the sacrifice on the cross of Father God's Son, Jesus Christ. We receive it. We believe it. We accept it. And we act on it. We can declare now, from now on, we are very fortunate. Say, I act fortunate and I will become fortunate. I will act fortunate and I will become fortunate. I will receive the, the love of God in everything I see, everywhere I go. I receive it. I declare it that I am very fortunate. Amen. And I put a rubber band around my left wrist to remind me of my communion with God and my acceptance of his love. And to remind me to declare, I am very fortunate. I am very loved. Amen. All right, moving right along, our next reading is June 9th. The love that sets others free. And they arrive at the country of the Gardenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house. But in the tombs, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. And with a loud voice said, What I have to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirits to come out of the man. For oftentimes it caught him. And he was kept bound with chains and fetters. And he broke the bands and was driven of the devils into the wilderness. June 8, excuse me, Luke eight twenty six to 29. When we walk in fear and focus on self-preservation instead of walking in love and trusting God to protect us, we are not only robbed of the joy of our salvation, we're robbed of the joy of ministering that salvation to others. How many times have we drawn back in fear and failed to tell someone about Jesus because we were intimidated by them? How many times we have seen so focused on taking care of ourselves during a time of danger or crisis that we miss the opportunity to care for someone else? I often think when I read about Jesus' dealings with the demons-possessed man of the Gadarenes, the most Christians would have run from fear. When they saw that dangerous madman charging at them, they would have been concerned about his deliverance, but about their own. Personally, I'm convinced that madman wasn't running toward Jesus to worship him. He intended to kill him. 
but couldn't because Jesus walked perfectly in the love and protection of God. As a result, the man, the man went home delivered from a legion of demons and telling others about the love and power of God. There may not be many believers who walk in that kind of love these days, but there are some. I heard about one of them some years ago while visiting with a fellow who was in prison. It seemed he had broken into the home of an elderly woman and was in the process of stealing her stuff when she walked in and caught him. Instead of screaming and fainting like he expected her to, she sat him down and read the Bible to him. He said, You know, that old girl sat right there and talked me into giving myself up. I don't know why she has so much power over me, but I do know this. If I hadn't come to prison, I would have never met Jesus. I would never have been born again. Just think, the power of love not only protected that dear lady and stopped a robbery, it got the robber saved. If she can walk in that kind of love, so can the rest of us. And the more we do, the more we'll see people set free. Amen. June 10th, handle with humility and love. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. First Timothy 6.17, New American Version, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. If you know anything about glory and me, says Kenneth Copeland, you know we believe in God's will for his people to prosper. We believe he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Through the years, as we have trusted and obeyed him, he has blessed us beyond our wildest dreams. But whenever people seem to be impressed with these blessings, we are quick to let them know that those things have come to us simply because of the goodness of the Lord. We try to make sure everyone understands that we're nothing special in ourselves. We're just ordinary believers who found out God's love God that God loves us and wants us so blessed. So we trusted that and obeyed him and he did. We also want people to know that if they're just as precious to the Lord as we are and as they continue to walk with him and develop their faith, they can walk in the blessing the same way as we do. That's important for all of us to remember as we prosper, as we declare we're very fortunate. It's vital that we wear out prosperity, not pridefully, but humbly and in love. We must realize that others may be intimidated by the blessing or the glory shown through by God to for us. They may feel they're sometimes less important than we are. We all just are learning to receive and walk in his love. We all are other children of God. To behave any other way is simply immature. It brings us down to the level of two Bible school students I once heard about from a fellow minister. One of them was bragging to the other about his new car, his new clothes, and all the other material blessings he's gotten recently. As he went on and on about how much he had, the second student couldn't stand it anymore. Oh, big deal, he snapped. 
All this natural stuff is going to burn up anyway. So when we get to heaven, your pile of ashes will just be bigger than mine. Actually, that fellow had a point. Even though God had given us good things in this earth to enjoy, the only way they'll have one lasting value if we will use them to bless and encourage someone else. The only way they'll ultimately amount to anything more than ashes is if we handle them humbly and with love. Amen. Self-care, folks. Giving God the opportunity to love us. Now, June 11th. For the sake of love. Matthew 16, 1, 2, and verse 4. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desire him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto him, A wicked and adulterous generation seek it after a sign, and there shall no sign be given it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. It, it's often been said that Jesus healed people and worked miracles during his ministry as a sign of his divinity. It's been said that he used his power to prove he was the Son of God. But that's not true. Jesus flatly refused to give such signs. When asked to do so, he said no. Why then did Jesus do the wonderful things he did? Why? Because he loved people. Jesus always used his power to demonstrate God's love. He operated that way because that's how the Father himself operates. God has power, but he is love. And he only uses his power on behalf of that love. Every work of power God has ever done has been an expression of his love. Creation itself is a manifestation of his love. That's why the earth is beautiful instead of drab and ugly. He stopped the sun in his course one time, lengthening a day to give his people time to win a battle. Why? Because he loved them. Throughout history, he has healed the sick, raised the dead, provided food for the hungry, and worked miracles for those in desperate situations, all because of his love. I can say from personal experience, every true miracle or healing I've ever seen has been unmistakably marked by the love of God. I remember one man in particular who came to healing school some years ago, an older man. He spent his life doing bad things and had repeat, repeat, reaped the results in his body. He was suffering with a terminal, debilitating disease and was in serious pain. Most people would have looked at him and said, well, he's lived a wicked life. He'll, he's just getting what he deserves. The man himself even thought the same thing. Although he wasn't a Christian in desperation, he decided to reach out to God anyway and at least ask for his help. You know what happened? God healed him. God is good and he's full of mercy. He's full of compassion. He is good to all who call upon him. He has always made a way for his people to be well through him. Psalms 145 verses 8 and 9 says, The Lord is gracious, disposed to show favors, and is full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. 
The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are all over his works. God's mercy hoovers over us and overshadows us, all because of his love. June 12th. Just because you love him, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first commandment, Matthew 22, 37 to 38. There's no doubt about it. When we serve the Lord, we are blessed. When we obey him and keep his word, we enjoy greater joy and success in our lives than we could ever experience any other way. Even so, however, that's not the reason we serve him. That's not our motivation for obeying him and believing his word. We do all those things and do them gladly just because we love him. Because he laid down his life for us, we willingly give him our all. We should all have the attitude of the outlaw biker. I heard about a year ago. Years ago, he came to a friend of mine when he was still a sinner and said, I understand you pray for the sick and my son has cancer. Will you pray for him? My friend agreed, and when he prayed, the Lord healed the little boy. Shortly thereof, the biker came back and said, I'm here to give my life to God. He healed my boy, and anyone who would do that for me, I want to serve for the rest of my life. You and I might not have had the same experience that biker had, but we in the same position nevertheless. As born-again children of God, every one of us has been saved from a spiritual cancer that had doomed us to hell. We've been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into light. We've been loosed from the bondage of death and given God's great gift of eternal life. We are very fortunate. What's more, not one of us earned it. Not one of us deserve it. We all receive our deliverance just like that biker did, not our own merits, but in total dependence on the mercy and love of God. In light of what he has done for us, we owe him our service. We owe him our lives and our love. We ought not be saying, Oh, Lord, I'll do what you're telling me to do because I believe I'll be blessed if I do. But I'm warning you, if the blessing doesn't come, I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> no, if we'll just meditate on what God has already done for us and let the truth of his sacrifice he's already made for us dawn on our hearts, we'll be so in love with him. We'll jump up in every opportunity to serve him. We'll want to obey him. We'll say as Psalm 40 verse 8 says, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Of course, the blessing will flow as it always does, and because we walk by faith, we expect it. We declare we are very fortunate. I am fortunate. But as much as we enjoy it, we'll get far more pleasure simply from serving Jesus. We'll do everything we do for him just because of love. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. To my surprise, as soon as I accepted the love of Christ and love in my heart, I became fortunate, very fortunate.